you say you want a revolution? Broadcasting from the Blue Ridge Mountains of Roanoke, Virginia. Star City, U.S. of A. Welcome to the Jamie Lee Show. What would bring President George Washington, once he served his term in office, out of retirement? Well, it was called the Quasi-War, which lasted a couple of years from 1798 to 1800. It occurred during John Adams' presidency. The Quasi-War was the first time that American neutrality found itself under attack. Once the conflict began, John Adams sought George Washington's military expertise, reinstating him as commander-in-chief. Even at the height of the quasi-war between the United States and France, few in the United States would disagree that France was owed a debt, both in gratitude and gold, for its help in establishing the American Republic. Yet, who to pay, and how, was a much more complicated question. After the overthrow of King Louis XVI, the new French Republic faced frequent upheaval as once prominent revolutionaries were herded to prison cells or the guillotine. France was at war with Great Britain, Austria, and other imperial neighbors, and a restoration of the House of Bourbon, in some form, still seemed a reasonably likely outcome. Even at the highest levels of American government, opinions were sharply divided. Treasury Secretary Alexander Hamilton believed that the United States owed its war debt to the House of Bourbon and suspended debt payments accordingly. Hamilton, and then Congressman James Madison, sparred over the issue in letters to the editor. Secretary of State Thomas Jefferson privately lobbied President Washington to continue to support the French Republic. Yet, ultimately, the decision was Washington's. He recognized that, first, in the present moment, the United States, with its mounting debts 
needed trading partners, not battlefield adversaries, and second, France, with its domestic tumults, was not a reliable ally. Thus, Washington supported neutrality, and through the Neutrality Act of 1794, Washington's view became the official policy of the United States. Washington's push for neutrality and the opening of trade relations with Great Britain through the Jay Treaty angered France. Tensions were further strained when French minister to the United States, Edmund Charles Genet, defying American neutrality, used American ports to outfit French privateers and stored captured British prizes. The State Department demanded that France recall Citizen Genet, but in a twist, when France obliged, President Washington granted Genet asylum after it became clear that French authorities planned to send the diplomat straight to the guillotine on his return. In 1796, France escalated the situation by authorizing privateers to capture American ships. Hundreds were captured over the next year. Meanwhile, in Paris, the Directory, the executive branch of the French Republic, refused to accept the credentials of President Washington's choice to serve as U.S. Minister to France, Charles Coatsworth Pickney. As shipping losses mounted and tensions rose, some Americans began to agitate for the United States to take military action. In the summer of 1797, John Adams, newly sworn in as the second president of the United States, dispatched three commissioners to attempt to reestablish diplomatic ties and resolve the situation amicably. On arriving in Paris, the American envoys sent French Foreign Minister Charles Maurice de Talleyrand a note requesting to begin talks. Through formal channels, they received no response. Through informal channels, friends of Talleyrand, they received a list of demands they'd need to fulfill in order to begin negotiating. Among those demands were an official explanation for an anti-French speech that Adams delivered to Congress, a loan for France, and a handsome bribe for Talleyrand. The first two demands were understandable. The last was unworkable. For months, the commissioners worked through back channels to persuade Talleyrand to drop his demand for a bribe, but their pleas fell on deaf ears. When they returned home empty-handed, the president's opponents in Congress, convinced that his hawkish anti-French attitude was to blame for the talk's failure, demanded that he release correspondence related to the mission. To their dismay, the president complied. In March of 1798, he released a bevy of dispatches from his commissioners. The names of Talleyrand's allies were redacted, replaced by the letters W, X, Y, and Z. The documents described Talleyrand's demands, including the bribe and detailed the long, fruitless efforts of the American commissioners to open talks with France without resorting to graft. In Revelations, later, branded the XYZ affair, 
stoked public anger against France and led many prominent invoices in Congress to call on Adams to formally declare war. A letter from James Madison to Thomas Jefferson. Madison responds to news of the dispatches. He expresses shock, not as Talleyrand's treachery, but his profound stupidity in believing the bribe could go unnoticed in the American system. Madison is so astounded by the request that he wonders aloud whether Adams organized the whole charade. Naturally, after expounding on the situation in France and analyzing the political maneuvers of Adams and John Jay, Madison finished his letter with a discussion of farming conditions. Adams, for his part, didn't want war, but he was determined to make it clear to the world that his country had the will and ability to defend its ships, its citizens, and its coastline. In July of 1778, Adams requested that Congress grant him a limited authorization of military force to protect American merchant ships. Congress granted his request, also authorizing an expansion of the recently reestablished United States Navy. With these acts, the so-called quasi-war, the nation's first undeclared war, had begun. The war concluded after the rise of Napoleon Bonaparte in a November 1799 coup and the subsequent brokering of an agreement to restore relations. Remarkably, the agreement was negotiated in part by Talleyrand, who survived the bribery and the coup with not only his head, but his job as foreign minister. Talleyrand resumed his corrupt practices a few years after peace was restored, selling state lands and state secrets in return for kickbacks, yet in the chaos of early 19th century France, few took notice. He remained an influential force in French society until his retirement shortly before his 1838 death. Friends, this concludes our story of the Quasi-War, a fascinating adventure on the high seas between the new United States of America and France. I hope you learned something about our past history as a country. If you get a chance, I would love to hear from you. Just go to my website and leave me a message. Thanks again for listening. The best day of my life is right here with you.